Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming. I know my mom came in here and said it ablaze in here, talking big trash. But you see where I get it from, man. That's why I was a trash talker uh, mm-hmm. when I played. It's I, also, I get it honest. But it, it's delivered in almost the nicest way, too. And, and not really, but the voice is its such a sweet voice. It is as sweet a voice as you could come across. And so to hear the trash talk towards the franchise QB from someone that you just want to give a big old hug. And by the way, it would be welcomed because it's the first thing. It's the first time I ever got to meet your mom in person. Yeah. Just right, right away. Gave me a wristband, you know, started talking about suicide prevention month, which is extremely important to her. And she came in with Carolina Panthers takes everything, all the above and said, Hey, I'm going to have you over for dinner. Let's get some pound cake as well. Bryce Young is shorty one. Here's a wristband out. Oh, it was a whirlwind. (laughs) It was a whirlwind and it was welcomed. That's what's up. So hit us up on the socials as well. The WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. You can see the stories, what we're doing every day. Our question of the day that we hit you with, especially now with football season uh, right here on us. And then hit up at Walker Mail, at West Bryant underscore 72, at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get to the campus counter. All right, college football was officially back this weekend. I definitely partook of the action. Uh, Notre Dame beat Navy 42-3, but the vested interest there was to check out Sam Hartman in his Notre Dame debut, and he did not disappoint The Notre Dame offense did whatever they wanted, averaged six yards per carry on the Navy midshipmen, but most importantly, Sam Hartman was 19 of 23 for 251 yards and four touchdown passes. Notre Dame fans are now in a tizzy. They think that they have won the national championship after Saturday's game because they feel like they have a big-time signal caller So, uh, Walker, Mel, were you able to catch any of this action? But what do you think about Sam Hartman and what he could bring to this Notre Dame offense, especially if he has performances like this? Well, there's no doubt that Sam Hartman is going to be a good quarterback this year. It's all about what your main concern is. Is he going to show up in the monster games because you felt like there was a lot to be desired anytime that you did have the big matchups in ACC play? So you got to see Wake Forest put a ton of points on the board last year against Clemson. They still lost because their defense allowed over 50, and it was the best game DJU had as a thrower by far last year was against the Demon Deacons. But Sam Hartman is able to put up a lot of numbers. Notre Dame going into this season, looking to contend for a college football playoff spot. That is the goal for the Fighting Irish. And so when you have Sam Hartman as that guy that could put all those numbers up, that's great. I expected this against Navy, right? I don't know if I – he looked great. We can give him credit, but I'm not shocked that he was able to do this right now. It's all going to be about the big-time moments. Does he deliver? 
and make that jump from Wake Forest to Notre Dame and play like a national powerhouse QB that delivers in those. Yeah, he's going to have a gauntlet of games, and that's what we're going to see just how great this marriage is going to be. Tennessee State is their next matchup this coming weekend. But then after that, they've got NC State. Then they play Central Michigan, so a little bit of a break there. But then Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, Pitt, Clemson. So that is a hell of a schedule that will be coming up for Sam Hartman. So we're going to see. This is big-time football, man. This ain't Winston-Salem, buddy. You don't ball out in (laughs) South Bend. They're not going to be loving you up. Well, I mean, talk talk to me, Wes. What did you think of this performance? Because we know oh, the criticism. I thought he was razor sharp. He was razor sharp. I mean, I, I knew early on when they were able to come out and run the football all over them, I said, man, he's definitely going to uh, be able to do his thing. And, and that he did, man. He was throwing the football. He was on the money. He was very accurate. He looked just like he would at Wake Forest, you know, when they were playing teams where the money was not on the table. Well, and look, it's you can only go against the, <laughs> you can only go against the opponent in front of you right. and you wanted him to dominate and he did no so he did he looked stuff. he looked really sharp and then the other performance of the evening which was i did not discover until later on that the game was on the pac-12 network because i thought it was on fox so i was a little bit upset that i didn't get to see it so i had to keep up with it on twitter but caleb williams comes out and starts his heisman campaign in usc's playoff push beating San Jose 56-28, but he was 278 yards, four touchdowns on the day, and probably the throw of the year already. Fitty, do we have that for the people so they can hear what it sounded like? And here we go. If For those of you who don't know what that play was, Caleb Williams had a ridiculous play. If you're sitting there chilling, eating your cheese sandwich or whatever it is that you've got going in we the car. we got a lot of cheese conversation. That's right. <laughs> Go on slide. to Twitter and look up Caleb Williams' throw. He hits a 76-yard touchdown to Taj Washington, but that's not it. We know that he's capable of doing that. He fumbles the snap, runs and picks it up in the face of danger, turns around and throws the ball perfectly in stride to Mr. Washington for a 76-yard bomb. It was pure. It was it was just spectacular to say the least. And I'm not trying to be uber hyperbolic about Mr. Williams, but that play right no, that there, crazy. that throw's going to be hard to beat. So, yeah, so uh, what do you think about Williams and what he was able to do coming out to start the season? I think the same thing that I thought about Sam Hartman going against Navy, you expected Caleb Williams to have a great performance. Honestly, I thought the stats might be a little bit more than what they were, not even 300 yards passing, not necessarily a shock, but also you're destroying San Jose State, and so it's not like you needed Caleb Williams every single one of those points because they scored 56. Caleb Williams is on a nice path to possibly what is going to be another Heisman Trophy, and if you watch this game, no rushing yards either, so still... Less than 300 yards total combined. I, I Just when we... Caleb Williams is going to be a Heisman for a favorite. Yeah, 278, four scores is a great stat line and, and against the, us, San Diego. And the, and the four touchdown passes are going to help. I just wonder if... Was this a moment to where you could accumulate just stupid numbers? Mm. And then when we get to the end of the season, and maybe some of these other QBs go Lamar Jackson, two first two games of the season numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Are those going to help the other guys' case... 
it, it it's a stretch. I get it. I just wonder how much, okay, did you miss an opportunity to just run everything up against a weaker opponent in San Jose State while some of these other QBs, if Drake May does what he did against App State last year, again, in the opener, right? Not against South Carolina, but maybe. Right? I, you get my point. Either way, watch the film, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about the number one prospect. No doubt, and as we get out of here, we're up against the break, but North Carolina, man, one of the perks of playing for the Tar Heels for the upcoming 2023 season, they got a special pair of retro Air Jordan cleats. They are low-top Air Jordan 12s made specifically for the Tar Heels, and they are straight fire! Okay? (laughs) No, you you dubbed it. They're dressed in a white upper with Carolina blue accents on the trim, heel tab, cleats, and side panel of the shoe. Black. There's a little bit of black on there as well, but these are absolutely dope, and one of the reasons that uh, make Carolina... Just a, a tough out when you talk about recruiting with all the nice Jordans that you'll get from cleats and from. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sneakers. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Jay from Mount Holly Walker says, when did Greg Olson ever have separation? I think Greg Olson was a pretty good route runner, but he did body guys up a lot. Yeah, tight end in the middle of the field is a little bit different than your ex-receiver on the outside of the numbers, like JTO Sullivan was talking about. And then he also says Andrew Norwell's agent says, I'm sure he said the same thing about the weapons Cam had in 2015, which turned out to be a decent season. Yeah, I'd say so, too. A decent season is an understatement. Hit up the social medias, WFNZ, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail. And at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. And most importantly, the Weston Walker page on Twitter. Walker, you still haven't uh, dressed up the IG yet? I've not, no. I. You know what? Who am I kidding anymore? I'm not going to say that I'm going right. to. There was a time where I thought I was, and that time has come and gone, even with threads. I don't even know. Is anybody still on threads? We, yeah, we hyped it up. I did it, too. I deleted it. I was like, <laughs> so I was like, all right, maybe this is it. And I, I thought maybe there was enough momentum to hold him, hold him down a little bit. But, yeah, I haven't even checked that in a while. All right. Well, now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right, folks, we know that Nick Saban is known for doing some quirky things at times, but this one is pretty uh, wild in and of itself. Alabama fans are going to have to wait until Saturday 
to know the starters for the Crimson Tide, including who's going to be at quarterback when they take the field for their season opener. Nick Saban elected not to release a depth chart of the team starters and backup players to eliminate air quotes, distractions, as well as to keep players motivated on competing for playing time. Saban said, I want all of our players to continue to compete, continue to compete for playing time to try to play at the highest level, Saban told reporters per ESPN. And I don't want anybody on our team to think they're a backup player or whatever. And the biggest position of interest for the Tide, of course, is quarterback Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Tyler Buckner are all vying for that spot. So what do you think about that? No depth chart for the Crimson Tide. That's a little weird, huh? It is weird. He's trying to figure out who's going to be that starter, starting quarterback, and he needs more time for the first time. That's in a how while. you read that, huh? I do. Yeah. I think Nick Saban needs more time to try to figure it out. And you're hoping it's the positive. It's the glass half full approach, where everybody's just playing so well. He doesn't know who to name instead of the glass half empty approach, which no one is playing well enough. And that's why he doesn't know who is going to start at QB. We'll see. I guess when it all unfolds. But Alabama losing a couple of games last year with Bryce Young as their quarterback quarterback and now you have a few guys one of them has not separated themselves enough to be that starting QB this is the reason that some people might be out on Alabama making the college football playoff especially with uh, what you heard in the spring passing game not looking very good Jalen Miro we know that he's a bit raw as a passer and so uh, I find that interesting as well but I agree with you walk I think he doesn't want uh, the distractions of trying to figure out and people constantly pestering him about who's going to be the starting quarterback. Fiddy, what do you think about that? A head coach not putting out a depth chart. I mean, it's 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 Sabanism. He's just out there trying to to do something, and you know, he he also said that the players know who the starters and the backups are. Well, if the players know, why can't we know? I I, I don't get the point of that. They're gonna they're gonna destroy Middle Tennessee State on Saturday. There's a legit chance they probably play two quarterbacks when they go or, or when they host Texas in week two. And I think this one we'll find out if they have a quarterback or not. Now, he said he didn't plan on playing two signal callers in the opener. You think that is going to change in week two? Well, I mean, I would hope the so. The score probably going to dictate that. Yeah, I mean, if that game's not over at halftime, maybe we got to start talking about the Alabama program regressing because Middle <laughs> Tennessee State hasn't been good in a while. All right, so now Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian is not allowing the recent comments from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark to distract him from leading his program. Now, get this. He told the uh, he told he told Texas Tech's coach that he's not going to put any pressure on him, but I'm going to be in Austin on Thanksgiving and you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. He said that to Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire on Monday. Sarkeesian told reporters he questioned your mock's thought process behind those remarks saying, quote, I got a letter from the commissioner about sportsmanship the day before that speech, so I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what are we promoting to our student athletes, he said per ESPN, to go say those types of things, question mark. I'm not guessing he's going to have his Thanksgiving dinner with us the night before that game. That is wild for a commissioner of a conference to say that. We know that it is sour grapes with Texas's impending departure to the SEC. But what do we think about that? The lack of sportsmanship by a commissioner. He has no problem telling you what he thinks. 
He has no pro- well. Look, maybe he didn't want that to go public, but also it's hilarious that he decided that he was going to make those comments because, yeah, if Texas leaves the conference and you are the commissioner of that conference, that the school with as big a budget as anybody has, and they don't want to stay within the Big Twelve anymore, you're the commissioner, the leader of the school of the conference that's trying to keep all of the powerhouses in, inside. Then, yeah, I would imagine he probably does have some sour grapes. I would imagine that he probably is pretty frustrated with Texas and wants to see them not go into the SEC competing at the highest level because that's a bad look on the commissioner watching Texas just start to play a lot better, right? They're starting to live up to a lot of the hype that's around Texas leaving every me. year. Right, and so, yes, I'm not surprised at all to hear what his true thoughts are. I guess I, that's not true. I am surprised to hear what his true thoughts are. I'm not surprised to know what his true thoughts are. All right, well, Texas will begin their season at number. Uh, they will begin their season against Rice at home on Saturday, so they'll get their season going, and we'll see how the Longhorns do because they've got a lot of gas coming in to this season. But whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When we were... Cry Wednesday. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep it coming on the text line. 704-570-9610. A 704 number. Ask me, how do you prepare an offensive lineman and what is the thinking behind their performances? A question he wanted to ask, I guess, when we were saying that the Panthers will get it together and they'll get right. But I just told him you have to hammer home the technique for sure, which is mostly footwork and hand placement, stuff like keeping your head out of the block. Uh, But footwork is huge. And then I said after that, it's just aggression. And that's the thing that they're going to have to hammer home until they play Atlanta. It's just really focusing on the technique because it's easy, whether it's fatigue or just tussling with the guy that you're blocking, man. It's easy to forget technique and get into bad habits. Well, and we oftentimes focus so much on pass protection because of especially the number one overall pick that is behind this offensive line. But with Icky especially, because that's the guy that we've been focusing on so much. We have such high hopes for him. Finally, they invest in the left tackle position and you want him to be a franchise guy. And it didn't go well for him this preseason. I believe wholeheartedly in him when it comes to the run game. But talk about aggression, talk about putting guys on their keister. I don't really mind Dickie in that. The pass protection, the footwork, and he told us at training camp, he needs to be a lot more consistent with his footwork and his technique. And so he understands it. 
everybody that evaluates him on that coaching staff knows that Icky is as hard a worker in that organization as possible. So that's the case for Icky to figure it all out. Yeah, and also, too, like I said, on a run game, you get those guys that quick targets, man, and so you have to really focus on your technique and, and the right steps and stuff in, in the run game. But anyway, it's time for the campus. Counter. All right, Jim Harbaugh, controversial he may be at times he's going to be missing the first three games of the season with those self-imposed sanctions from the University of Michigan. But he has come out and made a big statement. He opened his Monday news conference with a nearly six-minute statement advocating for revenue sharing with student-athletes. They said this isn't the first time that he shared the thought that student-athletes should benefit from the TV deals, but it was his most direct message. He told reporters it's time for a change. And the athletes themselves should benefit from the billions of dollars generated by the sport. Quote, he said, we all should be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm calling for a system that is fair, equitable, and benefits all involved. Don't exclude the student athletes from the profits. My opinion, you can't say you're about diversity, equity, and inclusion if you aren't willing to include the student athletes in revenue sharing. He's brought up the new idea of revenue sharing in 2020 and again in 2022 at Big Ten Media Days said he wants to be a voice for the student-athletes and speaking up about what he believes is a big change necessary for the NCAA to move forward and continue to evolve. Do you feel like this is a genuine message from Harbaugh or do you feel like that he is doing this to further himself in the eyes of recruits and make Michigan that much more attractive. There might be more of an emphasis from Harbaugh on making sure Michigan has a chance at the top talent out there, and maybe that's the reason why he's doing this. I don't know if it's disingenuine, though. Like, I I do think that Jim Harbaugh, I I think for the most part, that he believes what he's saying here, but yeah, there's going to be the benefit of getting as much talent as possible in the Michigan football program, and so that is going to be something good for him. At the same time, here we have Biff Pogey, doing the same thing in Charlotte. And let's remember, Biff Pogey, Jim Harbaugh are very good friends. Maybe you could take the cynical approach in that both of them are only caring about themselves. That's fine. I don't necessarily believe that. You and I talked about how we believe Biff Pogey is very genuine in wanting to get as much money as possible. Yes, to help them win games, but also to give the money to the kids that help them win those football games. So if Biff Pogey and Jim Harbaugh are both saying this, they come from the same cloth because they just were together in Michigan for a while, I do think that this is genuine from Jim Harbaugh, even with the added benefit of, yeah, it's going to help you get more talent. Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, that he says that, but I'm also with him 100%. I think we are seeing a little bit of it with the way uh, NIL is distributed at some schools. When you talk about places like Oklahoma and Texas, where all the players uh, get a piece of the pie, I believe in Miami, I think a good bit, if not all of their players, get a piece of the pie. So at different schools, you do see some of that revenue sharing where everyone is benefiting. Uh, But I'm for 100%, like I said, with all the money that is going around, we know that it comes off the backs of these athletes, and I think that they should be able to do that. So kudos to Jim Harbaugh for coming out and and standing strong there because that's definitely going to bode well for him uh, with recruits, knowing that he's a guy that has their back. And I think if he feels like that, then he's going to definitely make sure if you come to the University of Michigan that your pockets are going to be lined appropriately with Skrilla if you are a big-time baller for the Wolverines. So moving into the ACC, excuse me, Dabo Sweeney, Duke, 
they will face off on Labor Day. Yours truly, I will be there covering for the ACC Digital Network. Are, do you have enough room in your suitcase for your Duke pom-poms this year? I do. Okay. I, do. I, I have a whole different suitcase just for those. <laughs> okay. okay. I can't wait to see that dark shade of blue on the camera. Some, when we're watching the game and we yeah. see you on the sidelines, yeah. that's what I'll, I'll be looking for. I'll just be covered in pom-poms. Okay. That will be my attire for the game. You would wear that outfit. Right, I would. I'd come right out there with it. But uh, Dabo came out and he had a gripe with Duke in that stadium. So I'm sure that if they don't win or don't play well, this will not bode well. But he said, quote, the unique thing about the stadium that I do not like and nobody likes that plays at Duke is you have to, I mean, it's like a two or three minute walk, he said. He said, it's a long way to get to the locker room, a long way. And in college football, you barely have enough time to go to the bathroom and talk for 30 seconds in there, and it's time to go again. So, I can speak from experience here playing at Duke twice. And, uh, yeah, it is quite a long walk from the visitor's locker room to the field. Now, I personally, I enjoy it pregame because you get a chance to get in your head, pump yourself up, like the long walk, like it's pretty cool. But I do see what he's saying about halftime. You get 15 minutes. I do think it is a little bit of gamesmanship for Duke uh, to, to have that. Because like he said, you do only get in the locker room for 15 minutes. Everybody either have to use the bathroom and uh, and talk and go over strategy and adjustments. So it can take away when you have to have a two to three minute walk to the locker room, two to three minutes back to the field. Did Jim Grove have a problem with this? Did I don't ever think say he any, cared. Did, no. When you faced Duke, <laughs> did you ever hear him say, hey, we got to make sure that we're getting to the locker room real quickly so you can get this message? Uh, I never heard the coaches really complain about it, but I do know it's, it's got to be something coaches don't like at halftime because they have so much that they want to say. Now, a lot of times when we went to Duke, we would blow them out. So... Uh, it wasn't much to discuss at halftime for <laughs> in yeah. order to gripe about how long we had. But it is a long walk. That and Nebraska are the two longest walks I've ever had to the field from a locker room. I guess it hits a little different if you're in Nebraska, which does have a football tradition, and Duke does not. Maybe Nebraska, you relish the moment a little bit more so. Yeah. And Duke, it's just kind of a nuisance because, well, Duke might just be getting beat anyway. Yeah. At least in, in historic sense. In historic Sherry times, Lago, yes. But we know what it is historically. Yeah, man. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting that Dabo said that, and I know that they're going to... Uh, have some words for him if things don't go their way if they are not able to win this game they're going to ask him was the walk too long maybe somebody will whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Who knows? A 
Thursday on the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Rejoice. It has begun in the words of Shane Tucson from the Mortal Kombat movie. You remember that? Nope. I sure don't. I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> you remember Mortal Kombat though, right? The video game. Yes. Yes. I know Mortal Kombat. Okay, the right. only fighting game that I had that I had to sneak play because my sibling had it, mm-hmm. but my mom didn't know I was playing it, was Tekken 2. And boy, I love me some Tekken They're 2. They're about to come out with Tekken 8. Tekken 2 was awesome. Yeah, man. Tekken's dope. Great fighting game. But uh, hit us up on that text line. Like I said, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. Hit that follow button. WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> at HTB underscore Josh. At Wes Bryant underscore 72. At Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram. And most importantly, Wes and Walker on Twitter. All the behind the scenes stuff every day. Taking you inside of some of our uh, wild, wild... Uh, Things that we have going on. Wild. Yeah. Big wild. time wild. 100%. But now it's time to get wild and go to the campus. Kona. All right. ACC action. Tonight, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons will take on Elon in Winston-Salem. I will be there. Fonda will be there as well. Uh, and so over the last 12 seasons, Wake Forest is 9-3 and three in season openers, including a 7-2 and two record and head coach Dave Clawson's tenure, and they have an 8-1 and one mark in home openers in the Clawson era. Since the start of the 2016 season, Wake holds a record of 20-6 and six in September, and Elon coming in to give them a little bit of due because they're somewhat local as well. They posted an 8-4 and four record, booked a spot in the FCS playoffs for the first time since 2018, where they were defeated by number 11, Furman. And they picked up three wins over FCS ranked opponents. So no slouch, but this is a game. The Mitch Griffiths era truly opens today. He did start the season last year for Sam Hartman and played admirably uh, stepping in for him. But now it is his show and he will be the man each and every week. What do you expect from the Deeks? I know you expect a big blowout. But uh, do you have any other additional thoughts on what you think about this matchup? Well, Mitch Griffiths is going to take the storyline, right? We want to see how he does right after Sam Hartman, who it's not like he made things hard. You want Mitch Griffiths to be able to perform against Elon no matter what Sam Hartman did for Notre Dame. But Hartman was in the national consciousness when he did what he did for the Fighting Irish and looked very good on a national scale. So now you would think Mitch Griffiths would want to come out here and dominate as much as possible, so much so that you don't even have to see him in the second half. I think that's the kind of outing you're wanting from a Mitch Griffiths against Elon. No disrespect to the Phoenix. It's just Wake Forest, if we expect them to pick up right where they left off, to continue to have a seamless transition no matter who is going to be replacing the former starting QB. It's been remarkable how they've been able to do that over in Winston-Salem. I expect them to do it again with Mitch Griffiths, and I expect it to take form tonight immediately against Elon. NC State and UConn will face each other for just the fourth time in history and just the second time at UConn. Last year, NC State beat them 41-10 to at Carter-Finley. Prior to that, NC State had won the two previous matchups by just one score. Since 1970, NC State has a 4-2 record in season openers on the road. UConn will open the season at home for the 15th time in the program's FBS era. UConn is 11-3 in season openers at Pratt and Whitney Stadium. 
The Huskies are also 13-7 and in season openers since the start of their FBS era in 2002. Jim Mora Jr. returns as the head coach, and he guided them to a 6-7 and record in year one. They started the season 1-4, and but then got hot near the end of the year. They posted a 5-2 and two mark the rest of the way and became bowl eligible. So that's why I say UConn is a program uh, that's ascending. They're making a little bit of noise. But tonight we get to see the debut of Brennan Armstrong and Robert Anai. How is that offense going to look? Because for NC State at this point, if they can get over the 24-point threshold, I think they will be super excited about what they see. But could we see them scoring in the 30s or, dare I say, the 40s tonight on the road to open up the Brennan Armstrong era? Well, UConn has a lot of starters returning on defense. So perhaps you've seen that transition from one year after another. They do get better in their returning starters. Also on the offensive line, UConn has some guys returning. So they're going to be somewhat of an older team, more of an experienced team. But this is the thing. You don't trust their passing offense whatsoever in UConn. So the thing is, if NC State just gets out early, if they take an immediate two-touchdown lead, which is the spread, by the way, is 14 points, then you don't trust UConn at all to come back into this game. But the way that you allow them to hang around is if you allow them to pick up big chunks on the ground to where they don't have to rely on the passing game whatsoever. You have third and manageables, like third and four or under. And then maybe if you are looking for the upset formula that's how it would be but i don't expect it to happen more interesting this game is to me than what wake and elon is going to be but yeah even despite it being more interesting the bar is low i expect nc state to take care of business all right uh yeah i think the same thing i think nc state i say they get into the 30s tonight i think they have a good showing Uh, i think it'll be a good game but i think nc state comes out on top and so now the betting odds have come out for The odds to win the CFP, Georgia, is firmly the consensus betting favorite to win the CFP at sportsbooks around the nation. They're going for a three-peat. They entered the season with the fifth shortest odds of any preseason title favorite in more than two decades, according to ESPN Stats and Information Research. Georgia is plus 240 to win the college football playoff at Caesar Sportsbook. Alabama is next, followed by Ohio State and Michigan. Alabama had been the preseason favorite or co-favorite with Clemson in seven of the past eight seasons. So when you look at those odds, you feel like there's a better bet than Georgia, or should we go with the uh, old Georgia versus the field method? I think I would take the field. It's just so tough to win three in a row, and you are taking a transition at QB with Carson Beck. I know a lot of people love him. I know you brought up, what was it, George Pickens, who wanted Carson Beck to throw at his pro day, if I'm not mistaken. So that says something at least with the receivers and who they would like to throw them the football at the same time three national titles in a row where you do have one more year where you're going to have the best of the best to get into that top four scenario. I like some of these other, I would put my money elsewhere. So if you look at some of the other odds, LSU at plus 1000, that's a popular pick. Those are good odds. I mean, if you really like LSU, Brian Kelly finally getting to the playoff with his new school, plus 1000, you're talking about a handful of other schools having better odds, but not as good as the payout. So LSU would be a great bet. What do you think about Clemson at plus 1800? I know you don't love the Tigers. I know that. But plus 1800, really half the battle, 75% of the battle 
is for them to get to the playoff. If the ACC, Florida State, you don't think is going to beat Clemson. You think Duke is going to win the first game, but you still think Clemson's going to win the ACC. If they do that, they're going to have a shot to get to the college football playoff right then and there. At plus 1,800, Garrett Riley, Kate Klubnick, they figure stuff out. I don't hate those odds either. If somebody wanted to pluck down $100 or something like that to take a fly on it, I don't think that would be the worst bet in the world. I like USC at plus uh, 1,000. As much as I would love to pick Georgia to repeat, because especially when you look at this schedule, I mean, my God, there aren't many challenges on here at all unless you get some surprise teams in the SEC, unless Auburn goes back to their past glory. But other than that, you look at this schedule, the only real challenge to me is Tennessee on November 18th at Knoxville, but other than that, non-conference, UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, well, well uh, oh, terrible, goodness. it's awful. You okay? So, yeah, Georgia's got every shot to get to the playoffs. I think they do get what? to the playoffs, but I don't see them repeating just because history says that they will not. So, there you have it. I mean, there, there are some interesting bets on the board. I mean, Florida State is plus 2,000. And this is a trendy pick that a lot of people think uh, could get to the college football well, playoffs. Well, in, in Florida State, it's something you're betting on happening for the first time in forever. Right. So, it's yes, the payout's great. If you believe in their talent, sure, have at it. But LSU has been a team that's been there before. Brian Kelly has been there before with Notre Dame. And then you're talking about Clemson, where we've discussed Dabo Sweeney being among the top at least four coaches in all of college football and now you have an offensive coordinator that was in the championship game with TCU last year yeah I I like the 1800 I like the 1000 with LSU whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Clemson. Football Friday, that is. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. And tomorrow, or Saturday, yes, tomorrow, you can check out the Michigan and East Carolina matchup right here. Jim Zoki on the call on WFNZ. So you Michigan fans, you ECU fans, or football fans alike, if you're in the car and need something to listen to, then check out that football game. So, uh, yeah, it is a college football weekend. NFL still a week away. You already know what time it is. Let's go to the campus. Come The Wake Forest Demon Deacons opened up their season last night. I was in attendance with Fonda. We were at the game. I told her uh, what you guys said about her voice as well. Uh, she was very, very uh, happy about that comment. 
The voice is soothing. I think most people would agree <laughs> when she hops on the mic, even if she is insulting Bryce Young, for some reason it doesn't feel as hurtful as the actual words are. <laughs> and that's the kind of ability that your mother has. Yeah, she yeah. was very fond of the compliment. She was very fond of it. All right. So anyway, <laughs> the Demon Deacons got out there and got the job done. Really looked good in the first half. Second half had a few slip-ups. But with the 37-17 to 17 win, Wake Forest now holds a 12 Oh, and one lead in the series with Elon. The Deeks have won 11, 11 of the 12 matchups with the Phoenix, and it was the debut of one Mitch Griffiths. He came out and did not disappoint, in my opinion. He had some hiccups as times as one would expect from a quarterback stepping into his first start as officially being the guy. He did start the season last year for Wake Forest, but we all knew Sam Hartman was coming back at some point. So last night it was his squad, his team, his Demon Deeks. He went 19 of 30, three touchdowns, 329 yards. And I said that after what I saw from him in the spring, I thought he had a live arm. He was very, very accurate. Uh, Dave Clawson, the head coach of Wake Forest, said that he had the best spring of any quarterback in Wake Forest history as far as completion percentage overall. Through spring camp, Jamal Banks, 108 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Height had 91 yards and a touchdown. And Wesley Grimes, who I also talked about during this offseason, he had 76 yards and a score as well. The Demon Deacons held Elon to 17 points. They had three sacks on the night, nine tackles for a loss. So what were your uh, takeaways from the Demon Deeks? That I'm pleased with what we saw from Mitch Griffiths, which all eyeballs were going to be on post-Sam Hartman. I thought, and plus downfield plays. That's what I really liked. How about the longest touchdown Wake scored since 2021 with that 69-yard hookup for a score, 37-17. You get a lot of points on Elon, so I really like what you got from Griffiths despite the interception. There was the one red zone uh, target where I, I think it was to height if I'm not mistaken he drops the end zone target but man the ball needs to come down just a little bit either way thought this was a good tune-up game before you get ready for the regular season like no disrespect to Elon they actually played a little better certainly in the second half than I expected they were down 24 to nothing going into the locker room and so the fact that you made this a little bit of a game in the third quarter kudos to them but I got really for the most part Wes everything I wanted to see from Mitch Griffiths make him play downfield the accuracy was there it's if there's a third and long scenario I feel totally comfortable that that's a quarterback that can pick that up I this is believing in Warren Ruggiero believing in the system that replaces talented QB uh, with another talented QB we saw that in the season opener 1-0 Wake Forest goes yeah the only thing that worried me as well is just being at the game the eye test the size of Wake Forest up front that worries me just a little bit you give up four sacks to Elon, eight tackles for loss. That spells a bad week of practice back in West Bryan's days. So uh, I, I I wasn't too there thrilled about sacks that. in West Bryan's days, right? <laughs> no, but uh, you just don't want to see that from a Wake Forest offensive line against a school like an Elon. Um, I'm not going to preface it with a no disrespect. All is intended as far oh, okay. as you should yeah. not be giving up four sacks to Elon. And so I didn't like that. Mitch took a little bit too much of a beating in my estimation. Then you look across the landscape in college football. Utah last night beats Florida without Cam rising. Boy, that seat is getting hot for Billy Napier down there in Gainesville. Graham Merce told you didn't trust him, but he had 333 yards passing, a touchdown and a pick, but it was not enough. 
And without their fearless leader, Utah handles business. What did you think about that? And is the clock really starting to tick on Billy Napier? I mean, it was even before this game picked off. There was the article, I think it was on ESPN, about how this was going to be a monster year for Billy Napier. We all knew it. Here you have Anthony Richardson, who was a good enough quarterback prospect to be the number four QB selected four player selected in this past NFL draft. And they massively underwhelmed last year even with that talent. So even in the NFL, coaches think, all right, well, we'll just take this freak of nature and then we'll figure it out at the QB spot. Man, you got to be able to figure that out a little more so at the collegiate level. Now you enter with Graham Mertz this year. What's he, you know, Wisconsin QB at Florida and like what is supposed to be what you think of a high-powered offense. It just seems like an oxymoron for a Wisconsin QB to transfer to Florida. And he had 300 yards, but only the one touchdown. They only scored in the fourth quarter when the game was already said and done. 24-11, Utah ends up going on and winning. Yeah, it's it's real pressurized Florida over there Gators Florida. Gators ran for 13 yards as a team. Yeah. The big bad SEC, the Florida Gators, 21 carries, 13 yards, 0.6 yards that offensive line per is carry. Bad. And then Matt Rule. Took an L last night. I came in just in time to see the game-winning field goal go through the uprights as they took the L to Minnesota 13-10. to And we've got some sound folks from the fake Matt Rule talking about the loss to Minnesota. You know, I look at this game, you know, and I think about every game I've ever coached at the University of Nebraska now, a team has won a football game. You know, whether it's you know, tonight against Minnesota, you go back to our spring game, someone has won a football game that I've coached at at the University of Nebraska. And, and you look at us, you know, giving up 13 points today, that, that is one of the best defenses in the entire country when you look at it right now. And, and if we get to do that every single game, then you know what, we're going to be one of the best defenses of all time. That's what we're capable of being. And I, and I know offensively, we're going to go back. We're going to go check the tape. We're going to see what things we did well. See if you did well. Things that everyone's going to improve upon. But, you know, look at the end of the day, you know, that, that <laughs> trick play that we ran, that that's elite level trick play. And and for us, if we do that you know, every single game, every single drive, every single play, when we have trick plays <laughs> that turns into touchdowns, we're going to be the one of the best trick play teams of all time. That was Dennis Cox of 99.9 The Fan. That was pretty hilarious. Jeff Sims, the transfer, ACC transfer, that is, coming from Georgia Tech at the University of Nebraska. 114 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions with 91 yards rushing. I know he needed to get somebody in there quarterback, but I never thought that Jeff Sims was the answer. So is this the start of a long season for Matt Rule? I mean, 13 points is not very good in the season opener. Oh, even in it, by the way, the points were scored on a trick play that went all sorts of awry, except that they were able to pick it up because it so fumble right behind the line of scrimmage, legal forward pass, man, all open, all alone in the end zone. But that's not how they drew it up. So even if you take that away, you're only talking about a field goal that they were able to score. That catch, whoo, that that uh, that score that they had before they kicked the field goal to win it, that was a crazy route. And I didn't think that he was in. I thought the guy missed him. 
threw it out of bounds a little too much. But that fact that you have a one-toe drag. And look, we don't need a hero. You don't need to get two feet down. Just get that one down, and that's exactly what he did. That route was crazy. The catch, the ability to drag, the turf, the pellets flying up from the end zone. <laughs> what a phenomenal play. And then the field goal, man. I mean, I think we've all watched enough college football to realize you do not trust a college kicker kicking from 36, let alone 46 yards out. But he nailed it, and I think he made a lot of Charlotte area people very happy to see Matt Rule go 0-1. No doubt about it. This could be the start of a bad season in Nebraska for one Matt Rule.